0: Hi, my name is Andrew, and shamefully, I've seen very few films. I am Citizen Lame, but that's all about to change. Each episode, my friends Dylan and Simon Streep will be battling it out to convince me to watch their movie of choice. Welcome to Citizen Lame.
1: He hasn't watched many movies, he's a pop culture pariah. If he says he's watched The Shining, just
2: assume he is a liar.
1: I must select your movie if you want to win the game.
2: His name is Andrew, known as Citizen Lame.
0: Hello! 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 Hi, Simon. Hello. Hi, Dylan. Hello again. (laughs) Okay, well, the reason I do that is because I don't know if the listeners know your voices yet. That's
3: fair enough. That's fair enough.
0: (laughs) 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 It's nice to see you guys, as always, and I'm ready and prepared to have my mind expanded with the world of film. Great. (laughs) (laughs) You see, I'm changing my attitude slightly to this uh, podcast. I I feel like I've been a bit miserly to your choices so far. Okay. But that's also on you. You know, you need to convince me
1: that film is how I should be spending my time. I feel what's happened is Hubie Halloween has burnt him. I mean, we'll find out about that later, but he's realized (laughs) he needs to branch out. (laughs) I have faith in his review
4: of Hubie Halloween.
0: (laughs) Guys, I've got a question for you as we start the episode. What do you think of
1: open-air cinemas? Well, Andrew, I think that really depends whether we're gonna be sponsored by an open
3: air cinema for <laughs> season
1: two. That might affect Shall what we I cover, say. cover our ground. Yeah.
3: I think open air cinemas are great. <laughs> I think open air cinemas are sometimes a little bit sore. I think open air cinemas are crap. Whoa, I think they're incredible. Oh my word, I love seeing such outdated movies. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you this, uh, they don't smell like indoor cinemas. That is true. Yeah, Yeah. you got plenty of
0: aeration. Yeah, I mean, sometimes too much aeration, you know, because it gets a bit windy. You Uh, You
3: don't get wind in the cinema. (laughs) It could add to the effect. Have you seen that film Twister? (laughs) (laughs) I have not. Great 4D effect.
1: Look, I love the idea of a drive-in. And the nice thing about an open-air cinema is that they're one step away from being a drive-in. And in my opinion, that's a good thing. But the bad thing about them is it can be quite hard to get comfortable, like I just said. The first time I went to one, I made the mistake of not getting one of those little um, cushion things that you pay extra for. Mm. And my back ended up paying extra for it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. Yeah, that's true. I find it very difficult to sit on the ground. (laughs) <laughs> um, as a human, this might be a broader question than yeah. you ask. I don't know if you can blame the open-air cinema on that. If you think about uh, picnics, etc., yeah. times when you need to sit, mm-hmm. uh, often in a circle facing inwards... <laughs> You know, picnics, <laughs> ritual sacrifice, <laughs> these kinds of things. Um, I always find it—it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to sit with my legs crossed. Is that what? Uncomfortable to put my legs out and lean back because my okay. wrists get sore. But you can cross your legs. I—I
1: I think Richard Graham, our bassist, famously yeah. cannot sit cross-legged. Is that because of his monster
3: calves? He does have monster calves. See, I have tiny calves. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going with your pronunciation. There, it's fun. I don't like uh, open air cinemas because okay. there's bugs.
0: It's cold. There's wet blankets, and the screen is inflatable. So you know, unless the film already has a scene on a jet plane, it just sounds like the whole thing is anyway.
3: It takes you back to that feeling of being near a jumping castle, which is always <laughs> a fun feeling. Oh, that's what true.
1: Sweat, Andrew. I need pause you there. What kind of Really cheap open-air cinemas (laughs) are you going to where they're busy inflating the screen during the movie? He's he's going to watch the matinee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All the the characters were very floppy. (laughs) Alrighty, let's begin. Here's how it works. Dylan and Simon have each chosen a different film and will be competing against each other in an effort to get me to watch their film of choice. The plot twist is, I don't know what movie they've each chosen. Each round, they'll pitch an aspect of their film in order to convince me, by any means they can, that their film is better than the other. After five rounds, the person with the most points will reveal the name of the film which I have inadvertently chosen to watch, and then I actually have to watch it. But let's talk about last week's winner <laughs> <First>. <laughs> Yes, let's. All right, well, Dylan won last week with the film Hubie Halloween. <laughs> Did he ever? Mm. I think we all won with the film Hubie Halloween. Come on, guys. Um, look, I've... I've got a few notes Emphasis on few (laughs) So there was an early spew Yeah Like first few moments Of the film He's he's riding down the street On his bicycle Mm -hmm. Yeah And he projectile vomits for
3: no apparent reason. It just kind of gets you into the the frame of mind for the rest of the film. But at no
0: point is it then sort of brought back as a callback or anything. It's just an isolated spear. Oh,
3: come on. He rides on that
0: same road a lot on the bicycle. Oh, sure. The bicycle makes a callback. (laughs) That's fine. But no vomiting. Anyway, um, then, you know, you played me the monster mash, which I really enjoyed. And actually, a point in its favor was... Very early on in the film, there's a song, The Flying Purple People Eater, which is a bit of a mouthful, <laughs> yeah. but was on the same CD where I had the Monster Mash I was oh, growing cool. up as a child. So that was a
1: nice throwback.
0: i guessing right. you preferred
1: the CD to the film though.
0: Yeah. Um, so he's an incredible cyclist. And again, something <laughs> that also isn't justified. I mean, he's doing flips and tricks like you can't believe. And then I realized that it's a coming of
3: age film. Oh my goodness. It is. It's a coming of age film. This is all feeling very good for my rating. He's very old already, (laughs) but he comes of
0: age. Yeah. But the main problem I had with this film is that subtitles were required. Oh no. What? This is not Tenet. Yeah. But I mean, his mumbling is horrendous. Oh, you, me. (laughs) Like, seriously, I put the subtitles on because I was not sure what he was saying. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: (laughs) That is amazing. You're an old man, Andrew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of unnecessary making plot more difficult, like he was in the cornfields and for no apparent reason mm-hmm. spins around with his eyes closed <laughs> to make himself more lost <laughs> um, what i really did enjoy is the is the bicycle jokes you know that repeated joke mm. with the stakes getting higher and higher and higher i really enjoyed that
3: what did you think of the swiss army thermos
0: <laughs> yeah it was good i thought that was very funny i thought that was good and i liked that he he handed down two smaller ones at the end that was
4: <laughs> that was cute uh,
0: Yeah. This is unfortunately, you know, the the movie was sitting at a 4 out of 10. A 4? Yeah. But I've got bad news. Oh no! Because the the on-screen, the literally on-screen kiss at the end. Yeah. was horrendous. Okay. And it's dropped it to a 3.
1: So you get 3 out of 10.
3: Wow. 3 out of 10 for Hubie Halloween. Yep. Now Ouch. Now
1: as is tradition, I also watch this film. Yeah. And I've just been wondering whether we need to issue a written apology.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's time for round one, The Star. Every movie has a main actor or actress, someone who makes a character come alive and who draws you into the world of the film. I need to know the main star of your film and why you think they're so great. Simon, kick us off.
1: Okay, Andrew, now I haven't won since the first episode. Dill has been on a hat trick and I desperately need a win. I feel like my spirit needs to be lifted by winning an episode of Citizen Lame. So I've picked a film which is genuinely funny and original, and I love revisiting it. But more importantly, it is completely up your street, Andrew Kerr. Okay. And I know you said you wanted to diversify your movie choices. I think this will diversify it enough, because you wouldn't have seen this, but it will also just speak to the things you love about life. Anyway, I digress. If we go back to episode one, where I won the round by simply having an actor From the only film you actually seem to have seen, which is (laughs) Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So, what I've done is I've chosen as my actor the washed up rock star in Dylan's favorite movie, Love Actually, as if. A stepfather in my favorite movie, Shaun of the Dead. And a designer of planets in your favorite movie, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's the one and only Bill Nye. Bill Nye. What I really like
0: about uh, Bill Nye is all of his science programs.
4: (laughs) uh, That's, well.
1: Anyway, my first point about Bill Nye, Andrew is that Nye has a distinct voice. I think it's hard not to like an actor who has a distinct voice. For me, he falls into a similar category of actor like Michael Caine, Christopher Walken, Jeff Goldblum. I mean, you probably haven't heard of any of these people, but it's someone who clearly has a vibe and it's endearing and you kind of know what you're getting into if you go see a film that has him in. It's like slipping into a comfy pair of shorts, but in Nye's case, (laughs) his shorts have come out of the wash Jazzy.
3: <laughs> I think anything that we suggest today will diversify him from his sad choice last week for the <laughs> Halloween. I mean, let's face it; it was really all about that monster mash. <laughs> so I've chosen uh, an actor who you also love, Andrew. Okay. His name is Paul Rudnitsky, or Paul Rudd for short. Ooh. Okay. The never quite leading man, leading man of my film. Mm. One of the elite few who possesses the ability to age so well that people declare them vampires, (laughs) along with Keanu Reeves, Pharrell Williams, and Eminem. (laughs) In fact, uh, Paul Rudd actually starred in both the Wet Hot American Summer film in 2001 and 14 years later in the prequel series, and he was the only one in the cast who actually looked younger. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing with Paul Rudd is, is he
0: that guy in the mirror? What? What? (laughs) What do you mean the guy in the mirror? Dorian Gray. Is he Dorian Gray? Oh. Does he have a does he have a painting somewhere in an attic where <laughs> Which is painting Paul gets Rudd, older and he gets, stays the same. Exactly. There's like a, a decrepit old Paul Rudd somewhere hiding in an <laughs> attic and Paul Rudd uh, walking around. Is yeah, there is a, <laughs> a
3: decrepit old Paul Rudd somewhere. It's called
0: Bill
1: Nye
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wow,
1: <laughs> hectic. Let's actually just play some Bill Nye so we can enjoy the smoothness of his voice. This is him talking about a particular film he was in to, uh, to BAFTA. Okay. I brought it along with me. I edited it slightly because it was quite long, but you can watch the original clip on YouTube. Here
5: we go. I never watch... Anything I'm in, if I can possibly help it, because I find it takes too long to recover, and I have to go to work. I don't mind watching uh, if I do cartoons. For instance, I was I was once required to be a squid man. in a movie. <laughs> I was an octopus guy, and I was perfectly happy watching that because what are you going to say? My you don't like my squid? Well then, you know live with it because it's your problem and also my squid was world class and they won an oscar with the squid i had um i was put into a pair of very sad computer pajamas uh, which had white bobbles velcroed all over them one of my the greatest challenges was wondering about a very big american film set dressed in pajamas with white dots all over your face with crew members Being kind enough but actually averting their eyes because they couldn't bring themselves to look at you because it was so sad. (laughs) And then you are shown a picture of the scariest thing on the ocean waves, which is the squid. Then they say action. That's you know, not going to the airport and just saying, please let me go home is one of my uh, proudest achievements. And I'm not even kidding.
3: See, I mean, that's just wonderful. That is fun. I like how senior citizen he is by calling Pirates of the Caribbean a cartoon. (laughs)
5: Yes. That's
3: amazing. (laughs) I was in a cartoon, the Pirates of the Caribbean films. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. It also sounded a lot like his interview in Love Actually Actually when he was on the radio. I just said Love Actually Actually. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many times that has happened. Britney Spears, she was rubbish.
1: (laughs) 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 No, Andrew... A fun fact about Bill Nye, 2015, he was voted one of GQ's 50 best dressed men. Now you're thinking, Simon, this isn't a very impressive fact to bring in, but think about it. 2015, he would have been around 65 years of age. He's close to my father's age and there's no way at 65, my dad was being voted best dressed by anyone. (laughs) Do you guys
3: have dads that dress well? Oh, very interesting question. I mean, uh, if I think back... My dad dressed the best when he was at work and I was a young child. I've mm-hmm. got either photo or video or just actual memory evidence <laughs> of him wearing very uh, snazzy suits for his Ooh. for his corporate job and thinking, "Wow, this guy's this guy's uh, made it in business." And I think maybe that's what resulted in us Wearing suits for (laughs) our silly job playing comedy songs. Because somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, if I wear a suit, I can be successful. (laughs) (laughs) We've made it. We have made it. (laughs) Um, uh, But I think later years, my dad's gone the comfortable over smart route that I think a lot of not just dads people go oh yeah the, the
1: worrying thing is I've sort of going that way
3: yeah and what's
1: scary is that sometimes I pitch up at my parents place and see that like my dad and I are either wearing the same shoes <laughs> or the same shorts and it's like
3: oh, how no. big were those shoes if they were both wearing them
0: <laughs> so my dad you know look I'm no, not one to judge but for 10 months out of the year he's in a puffy jacket
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: exclusively
3: what, what do you mean he, no pants oh no no yes. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Well, a fun fact about Paul Rudd, um, and Andrew, you're going to like this. Okay. (laughs) So i say about all my points, hopefully enticing you over, is that he and friend Jeffrey Dean Morgan, don't worry, you don't need to know who that is, uh, went in together to buy a candy store when their friend who owned it sadly passed away suddenly. They didn't want the old store, which had been there since the 90s, to just turn into something new. So now they own Samuel's Sweet Shop. Wow. And you can visit it if you're in America. Do they have
1: mint imperials? I bet they do. I do like a mint imperial. I'm not supposed to be helping you, actually. No. Oh, I
3: hate sweets. They rot your teeth. (laughs) They do. Have any of you guys ever had a friend that you thought, well, we're going to go into business together one day? Well, look, I mean, maybe
0: not a friend, but I did have a, a business at school. Ah. which you know did extremely well it (laughs) was a class project but it you know it made me some money nice um it did however land me quite an unfortunate nickname (laughs) for for at least a term uh, I sold fudge.
4: <laughs>
3: it was
0: it was fudge with a pH, but I did the packing myself.
3: Fudge with a pH. Yeah, it wow. was That's so cool. Was fudge. What, what was the
1: pH level of it?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Cuz I had a friend in primary school that we were definitely determined to be pilots. Ah, airplane pilots. You're going to fly the same. Yeah. And you'll never guess what happened. He moved schools and we never spoke again.
4: <laughs> uh,
1: back in the day, there was a soccer player called Benny McCarthy. And if you're familiar with that man, he used to play for Bafana Bafana. Yeah. And there was also a popular water ice lolly called Bunny Licks. Um, <laughs> so for an accounting entrepreneurship thing in high school, my friend Gareth and I sold, wait for it, Benny Licks. <laughs> Benny licks licks they were basically just bunny licks yeah that we were calling Benny licks we didn't we didn't even that's change. all that happened yeah we didn't okay, even change good. the packaging it was exactly the same I'm, I'm
3: actually quite glad to hear that I'm
4: relieved <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: anyway I really pointed out how bad people were at mass because I think a Benny lick was 20 cents for a Benny lick um, and in South Africa 100 <laughs> cents is a rand right so what we would do is go like oh it's 20 cents for a Benny lick or for one rand you can get five <laughs> People were like, one round, that's a deal. <laughs> and, and then it's, it's, it's not. It's, just, it's a, just the same deal. <laughs> it's such
3: good marketing. It sounds like you're trying to bring Benny Lex back. <laughs> so you said the phrase Benny about 17 times there. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who did tuck shop duty for everyone else, which seemed like, and then he would get like a little, he'd get the 50 cents change. We would all play soccer at break, but we'd also want food. Yeah. So he'd take all the orders and everyone's money and then go and then with the kind of little side bits of change he'd get his own food wow he'd get like one or two (laughs) 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 Lecks.
0: well I've made my decision and um, there's something just a little bit too snooty about Bill Nye for me so Paul Rudd takes the victory you get the point Dylan yay moving on to round two the setting the location and year a film takes place sets the foundation for the story Not all foundations are created equal, so tell me, please, why should I choose yours?
3: Dylan. So, the film I've chosen moves around a fair bit as our lead interacts with different characters close to him. Okay. But a large portion revolves around a biodynamic agriculture farm with um, the likes of Catherine Hahn, TJ Miller, and Willie Nelson. Three entertainment powerhouses (laughs) so i don't know if you know much about biodynamic agriculture but apparently it's like regular agriculture (laughs) with a bit more like spiritual and mystical oh okay yeah like crystals and moon patterns and talking to the soil i've got a a veggie patch at home is it like that it is if you have crystals and moon patterns involved Um, i don't yet but it's i guess it could be on the cards you could take your agriculture and make it biodynamical Wow, (laughs) that sounds pretty cool. It got me thinking um, about those record-breaking vegetables you sometimes hear about. (laughs) Um, And I have actually got a little game for you two to play, and it's called How Heavy Is That Really Heavy Vegetable? (laughs) I'm going to be so good at this. So I have five record-holding giant vegetables grown by Mr. John Evans from Alaska, and you guys need to guess how heavy they were at time of harvest. now we're going to play the price is right rules here which means that the closest answer wins as long as it's under the correct amount okay so you can't go over Time of harvest, just to double check. You yeah. know, with
1: these massive vegetables, it just shrank the day after.
3: <laughs> yeah. This is time of harvest. Uh, to make things a little bit easier, all of these are measured in kilograms and rounded to one decimal place. Oh, Got it? Okay. it doesn't make it much easier. Well, just in case you were like, oh, 40 grams. Right. You're right. like, okay. No,
1: these are record breaking vegetables. Okay, well, Andrew. I'm just okay. going to pretend that I'm in that moon garden. I'm going to get all zen and close my <laughs> eyes and I'm going to get this right. All, all right, right. Here we
3: go. we're going to go. Number
1: one um, kale. Kale. Easily 12.3 kilograms.
3: All right. Wait.
0: 12.3 way too much I'm going to say 6 kilograms
3: oh Simon rumps ahead yes romp 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 15.2 kilograms Ooh. Well, these are record breaking yeah. giant vegetables <laughs> the, go. how many times do I have to say the thing? The is paying off here we go um, alright number 2 Co uh, you can answer first a carrot a carrot. Yeah. I mean,
0: how big can a carrot really be? Well, you tell mm-hmm. me. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with six kilograms. All
3: right. Oh, you'll be wrong. It is 14.1 kilograms. Oh, this is where the price is right rules come into play, Simon, because mm-hmm. it's 10.3. Mm-hmm. Although you were closer, mm-hmm. you're actually over, so you lose. It's fine. I'm so zen now, I'm not even playing for points. I'm <laughs> won't like
1: the rest of this podcast. <laughs> All right. Number three, broccoli. Go. I'm thinking broccoli
3: is going to be 17.1. Here you go. Oh. He's gone too high, but I'm going to up my starting bid and
0: go to 11.
3: Kerr, you are so conservative. 19 kilos 19.
4: for a
0: broccoli.
3: It's 2-1. So it I have, I
0: have no concept of what these things look like. They look like vegetables.
4: They look like vegetables, I Andrew. I'll tell,
1: tell you what the carrot looks like. A carrot. <laughs> Just a really big one. Imagine yeah. the vegetables you eat, but bigger, uh, Andrew. Yeah. Simples.
3: It's like if you had a picture of a carrot and there was a matchbox for scale, yes. but the matchbox was a big car. Yeah, but I don't have this, <laughs> this picture. <laughs> All right, oh, number four. And don't um, forget, it's Anyone wins here. Me, man, me, me. Red cabbage, specifically red. Okay, gotcha. cabbage. That changes things. Yeah. Way more.
1: Simon, if it's red cabbage, yeah. it's going to be eleven point one.
3: Okay,
0: the one one one. I'm going to go above Simon and say 13. Oh, he's
3: finally figured out how to play it. It's 24.6 kilos for red cabbage. It's literally come down to the last one. I feel a fool, Dylan, because you did specifically
1: say red cabbage, but in my brain now I was thinking of Uh, a lighter one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right, number five. And this is for all the marbles,
0: celery. Well, celery is whatever, 90% water. Uh water's quite heavy, so uh I'm going to say eighteen kilograms. Eighteen
3: locked in.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go for sixty kilograms. Sixty. <laughs> Oh, All right, sorry. I'm thinking of Celery Clinton. Um,
3: I'm going to go for... <laughs> it's for, so good, I'll allow it. For 16 kilograms. 16 and? I said 18, I think. 18. Well, Andrew Kerr has won it. It was 26.7
0: yeah. kilos. Simon, where's your film set? Well,
1: Andrew, a lot of my film is set in London, baby. Okay. Oh, Yeah. I know that Alan Simon oh. just turned into a spy school. <laughs> I think he turned into Austin Powers. Very true. <laughs> well, I mean, Austin Powers and the spy schools are both from London, so I'll take that as a compliment, and they're both amazing this works is true. of art which will hopefully work in my favor. Now, I know that all three of us have gone there and I'm hoping, Andrew, that you love London as much as I love London. I think it's impossible for a filmmaker to film London without that magic of London just being imbued into the celluloid. Well, I mean, they do say if you're tired of London, you're tired of life. And that's exactly why I should get the points for this round, Andrew. Because it is such a great place It's so good Uh, We've even done a song about it This is true
2: Roll clip Let's go to London I hear that their grass is
1: always greener Let's go to London I bet that the streets are so much cleaner
2: Let's go to London Maybe we will spot Mr Bean there But either Either way we're we're afraid to say We can't stay here another day Let's
1: go go to London
3: So we recorded that song four years ago Mm. Uh, do you have any fun memories of recording that? Oh, jeez, I do. I mean, it started with a bit of a scary memory. Uh, <laughs> it's probably well documented on podcasts before, but I had a little trouble at the border control <laughs> get, getting into that particular trip um, in that we were kind of all there together, but we weren't really allowed to tell them that we were all there together yeah. for various weird reasons like to do with visas. I mean, it's fine now. It's fine <laughs> to talk about now. Let's, should we kind of um, role play this?
1: Because I, I want to kind can? of, I want to sort of understand who what was gonna, going on who in are you your mind. you play?
3: I'll play the border control person. All right. And I'll be me? Yeah. Sure. All right, Kerr. You can be Simon, just casually walking through border control, hunk- <laughs> hunky dory, smiling and waving at everyone, just having a good time. Okay. All right. Hey guys, I'm going to be on my way. Bye. <coughs> I'll be
1: me, sweating profusely and crying. Right. So bear in mind that all you had to do was what? Just say that just you were say, was,
3: it was fine. Everything's yeah, fine. All right. Yeah. So let's
1: let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Hitchens, yes, I see you want me. to come into London. Yeah. Otherwise, you've already taken the wrong flight.
3: Um, I did not take the wrong flight. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, So what's your reason to visit? Uh, Boy, that is a good question. Um, (laughs) I'm here on kind of biz pleasure.
1: pleasure? Oh, okay. All right. Biz pleasure. Biz pleasure. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to get up to? Is there anything you're going to visit while you're here?
3: Big time. Big okay. time, I'm yeah. guessing
1: someone as trendy as you, it's probably some really cool, hard-hitting like, theatrical production to... or band. Maybe you're here to sort of, I don't know, watch Vampire Weekend or something really
3: fun. What are you here to do? I'm here, sir, to go to all the sites, actually. Okay. Um, specifically Westminster Abbey. Oh, interesting. Yes. <laughs> that is the name of a place that I've pulled out of a hat in my mind, Westminster Abbey. Um, and if you must know, I'll be staying alone at London Mayfair for... <laughs> for about four days
1: what about all those four people that are?
3: i do know them actually i do know them you're not meant to know that but i do know them um so can i come in
1: you can come in but what i want you to do is yes. not just ignore those four people sure out of
3: fear that someone's going to come chase you down that's a great idea i might do that in fact i'll stand at a different luggage carousel for the first half hour of our time in london together thank and, you and scene oh gosh it was frightening just living that again <laughs>
0: well, although I do have a veggie patch at home, uh, one of the, the things I like least is getting my hands dirty. And I know that, you know, a farm, mm-hmm. oh, there's going to be so much muck everywhere. <laughs> do you know where there isn't muck? London.
1: Oh, Yes. Simon,
0: <laughs> you get the point. Thank
1: you. I needed that.
0: That brings us neatly onto round three. The sounds. Cinema is not just a visual medium, guys. Songs, scores and sounds all elevate our movie experience. What about your film do you think will be
1: music to my ears? Simon, I'm listening. This film has some great music and especially some great piano music. And I'm gonna to attempt to do some renditions of the songs on the piano. Now, first of all, when I say, what is the best piano song ever written of all time? If I was to ask anyone that, they would simply be thinking of this. I mean that's that's the murder she wrote theme and sadly the murder she wrote theme isn't in this particular film but <laughs> oh,
3: that, that would be an incredible turn <laughs> of events
1: now i have interest andrew what is possibly the second best song ever written on piano is in the film Chopsticks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was thinking <laughs>
1: and that goes like this it's just beautiful That, of course, is the intro to The Luckiest by Ben Folds. And Andrew, you're looking at me as someone that's just been mesmerized at the beauty of that little lick that is the intro of that song. I encourage you and all listeners to go check out that song because it is, it's just too beautiful. The Luckiest. Is it
0: just the intro that you like?
1: No, I like the whole song, but I'm only playing the intro because I'm I'm quite bad at my really (laughs) tiny keyboard. (laughs) It's a very small keyboard, it's hard to move around without playing wrong notes. But. That song, luckiest, is in the film. And they kind of use it as a motif throughout the film. It's quite Mm. nice, like weaving around every now and again. There's another motif that I can't say the name of because unfortunately it shares the title of the film. But that motif is this. Now, I shouldn't be pointing this out, because this is probably not going to work in my (laughs) favour, but that motif happens quite a lot throughout the film, as I said. But it reminds me, whenever I hear that, I can't help but think of this musical
3: cue. Oh, hello. That's got the goose flesh going. So all I think... It's about Charlie Brown
1: with his head down walking around or uh, George Michael. Yeah, the rest George of Michael, the day, yeah. <laughs> throughout the film when that is played. And sometimes it happens in quite serious moments. Yeah. But, you know, it's a fun little value add for the film. That's oh, amazing. My, my my daughter
0: has that, uh, that walk down to a T. I mean, she's never seen <laughs> Arrested Development or Charlie Brown. But, I mean, honestly, if she gets disappointed by something... She just drops her head in her shoulders and just wanders off. <laughs> it's beautiful.
3: I actually listened to that um, Charlie Brown Christmas music only a day before recording. Oh, wow. When we were putting up our tree. Oh, me too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. I literally listened to it right now when I played it. <laughs> Those are some beautiful sounds, Simon. Thank you. Dylan? All right. So this piece is from fairly early on in the film. After our lead is making a fresh start. It's a cover of a cover which I think makes it an original again. (laughs) Maybe it goes that way. It's tie yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. I like this song. Sorry, I don't know how that clip got in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was great. Okay, wait, that's the wrong one. Here's here's the right one. Oh, this is a classic song. I'm
2: coming home, I've done my time. I've got to know what is and isn't mine. If you'd res- letter telling you I'd soon be free then you know just what to do if you still want me if you still want me what to do oh, tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree it's been three long years do you still want me if I don't see a ribbon round the old oak tree Stay on the bus, forget about us, put the blame on me. Oh, if I don't see a yellow ribbon round
0: the old oak tree. I mean, this is the a classic. Presumably to market for
3: filling. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you very much. That was uh, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree. Originally by Tony Orlando and Dawn. I don't know why she doesn't get a surname. From 1973, but covered for this film by Eric D. Johnson.
0: Thank you, Dylan. That was beautiful. I don't actually know that song. Uh, I don't think I've heard it before.
3: That's all right. You'll hear it in my film.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, what I have heard is the Vince Guaraldi trios version of the song that they played for the Charlie Brown thing that was also in Arrested Development. And Simon, Uh, you're getting the point. It's time for round four. The scenes. Memorable films have memorable scenes. Moments which etch into your memory and cause visceral reactions upon reflection. They might make you laugh, make you cry, make you scared or make you shout. Please describe in a spoiler-free way your standout scenes. Dylan.
3: All right, so with comedy, and yes, this is a comedy with a bit of drama, okay. just the way I like it. All right. It's uh, <laughs> difficult to describe a scene and do it justice. Mm-hmm. So much is in the timing and performance, but the scene I have chosen is set inside a sweat lodge. Right. All right. So Rudd is there with one or two of the other characters he's close to, and he is just not having a good time. Okay. He's freaking out. He's sweating. He's asking for water, but being denied by the leader because he hasn't expressed himself enough for a win. It's just—it's uh, quite a short scene in ter- in the grand scheme of things, but really, really funny, really visceral. Bit of bit of slapstick in there as well. Um, how do you guys feel about saunas?
1: Now this might come a surprise to you. Yeah. Considering only a couple of episodes back, I was saying. How much I just like to take my clothes off whenever I hear the song, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. <laughs> yes. And whilst that remains true, I really do not like being naked in public. Okay. And so, the sauna, I know that you technically, I think, can go in just in a towel, but the people going in there, like, you know, they're just sitting on the towel, not necessarily using the towel to cover their areas. And I feel like then, should I be naked? Is it weird then that I'm not naked? And it's yeah. just too much going on in my head. And so, I, I
3: kind of just, I've been in maybe once or twice and, and not at all. Too stressful. mm Also too hot. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you don't enjoy the heat, get out of the sauna. I've been in once or twice as well, but when it's been fairly empty and it felt like there were no immediate rules... Because it seems like the p- first person who goes in sets the, <laughs> sets the tone for the sauna, really, <laughs> in terms of towel on, towel off. Um, so I was lucky enough to go in when it didn't seem like there were any strict rules and just kind of sat there for a bit. But it is hot. And when do you get... Who gets to decide when you get to pour a bit more water on the thing? <laughs> What's funny, look, I haven't seen many films,
0: but I watch a lot of YouTube and I've seen clips of uh, Travel Man. Oh, yes. where Paul Rudd goes on a, an adventure with um, Richard A. Wadi. Mm-hmm. And they end up in a steam room together. Oh. And they're eating a well, famous... I hope
3: that they don't talk about the film he was in. I don't think they do, but they, they
0: eat McDonald's in a steam room. Oh, the founder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, McDonald's
3: in a steam room. That must be awful.
0: It. I think it was a, a fairly awkward experience. And, and that brings me to my opinion of saunas, mm. which is no no <laughs> no, no, no 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 i i cannot think of a more awkward situation to be in no clothes yeah. tiny room no talking <laughs> boiling hot it honestly sounds like a precursor to hell
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's right the hell waiting
0: room
1: <laughs> what about the romantic sauna for two well, i've oh. tried it once Uh, We went to have a razool, I think is what it's called, my wife and I. And even then, it was just unnecessarily
3: hot. Is that like a biodynamic agriculture thing? (laughs) A (laughs) razool. We'll get these plants growing by razool's name.
0: (laughs) Well, Simon,
1: now that we're all hot and steamy, tell me about your scene. Now, this is a difficult one, Andrew, because the standout scene for me happens very close to the end. And there's a whole lot about the context of why it sort of hits you and is such a great scene that I can't share. Otherwise, I'll spoil the movie for everyone listening. So I can't really go into too much detail. But as a father, Andrew, you might enjoy the thought of playing with your daughters on a beach. Mm -hmm. And my standout scene is basically a father playing with his son on the beach. And it is just something about it in the context of the particular film i've chosen that is amazing you just, I, I actually can't even riff further on this you're just gonna have to believe me that it is as heartwarming and great <laughs> as i'm saying
3: this is where it would be very cunning of you to leave out the part where there's a napalm attack <laughs> <laughs> on, on said beach <laughs> no, later yeah at, at no stage it? is
1: there <laughs> at no stage is the child on the beach in peril
4: okay
3: <laughs> well now we're talking i think that we need to release citizen lamb merch With, like, a t shirt that says child in peril, or with one of those signs that with a line through it. (laughs) No sage is there, child in peril. (laughs) Because that's the only way that we can win points with (laughs) Kirk. Guys, the decision for this round is easy
0: no to sauna, yes to children playing on the beach with their father.
3: That is fair. I've learned something
0: here. (laughs) Simon, you get the point. Get in. Finally, we find ourselves in the last round the story. Each story begins with a golden idea, a premise, an intriguing setup which entices the viewer to watch the film in the first place. This round is worth three
1: points. What's your story which will set my imagination alight? Simon. At the age of 21, Tim discovers he can travel in time and change what happens and has happened in his own life. Okay. That's pretty intriguing. That is. Got some time travel there. Time traveler Tim. I like that. Triple T. And it begs the question, if you had this ability, Kerr, what would you do? If I could travel through time. Yeah. But you could only affect your
0: life. Okay. So I could travel through time, only affect my life. I mean, literally the first thing that comes to mind is if I had like a really good milkshake, I could enjoy it again. <laughs> <laughs> such such amazing aspirations. Simple, simple desires
1: he has. You know what I really like is like Chips. Okay, <laughs> but, they, but the packets run out after a while. I have a question. Do you think, I was wondering about this in the film when I was watching it? Is do you think if you travel back to a moment, say you revisit a milkshake and you have it again, mm-hmm. do you think you're still full from having just had that milkshake only a couple of seconds ago? Ooh. Or do you think your stomach goes back to being empty?
3: Uh, it depends. Yeah, I would say that your stomach contents come with you. Yeah. Okay. But I would say in that scenario, you'd probably wait until you wanted the milkshake again and then went back Uh, ah surely i guess you would
0: i I guess that's
3: how uh, i would basically i'm showing my greed here (laughs) (laughs) what would you do though i would go back and watch alanis morissette live at the belleville velodrome (laughs) (laughs) really because i was just old enough to know that this was the best concert i'll ever see Mm -hmm. but not old enough to remember it enough and i want to go back now and watch it again. That's a good oh. answer.
1: I feel like a similar thing with Sting. I missed Sting.
3: He's been here like four times. I know, I missed, <laughs> it. I missed it all four times. <laughs> you have to use your power over and over again. Dylan, tell me about your story. All right. Well, mine is basically an ugly duckling story, really, mm-hmm. where Rudd has three siblings, all of whom seem better off than him, more mature, more connected to reality. But through his eyes, we see the cracks form in their own lives and watch him rise to the occasion of bringing the family back together. Making them stronger in his own special way. Uh, coming of age story. <laughs> coming of age story, baby. <laughs> I, I must say that uh, one of the characters in this film is played by the great Steve Coogan. Okay. But, oh. And is called Dylan. Ooh. And I think maybe because it's not a super common name, I still have that tiny little like, oh, every time my name is mentioned in a film. I don't know if you guys are the same. However this is easily the least likable character of the film. (laughs) A a bit of a bastard, really, uh, to put it lightly. So watching him is bittersweet. It's like, I love Steve Coogan. He's doing his job really well, but I don't feel so good as a Dylan right now. (laughs) Have either of you ever kind of noticed a particularly crummy character sharing your name before? Well, okay. So I've been a Christian all my life and the
1: Bible actually lets me down (laughs) when it comes to my actual name. There are two people that come to mind uh, when you, think of simon in the bible one and this is like you'll hear this and you go like wow this actually starts very well mm-hmm. there's a man called simon he's meeting with jesus and look for listeners who are unfamiliar with the bible jesus is a pretty big deal in the book um, <laughs> he's one of the
3: main guys and so what he says counts anyway would you describe him as as the lead of of his film
1: <laughs> definitely <laughs> so in this case he's like hey yo simon come come be part of part of my life and crew and everything and obviously i'm reading this going wow, this is awesome. I'm part of like a good pedigree. Feels like I'm part of the crew. Lovely stuff. And it's all going well. And then suddenly Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, you can join me, but you got to change your name. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) You got to change it to Peter. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) low blow, Jesus. Not cool. (laughs) Then, all right, the next time we read about a Simon in the Bible, I'm like, okay, at least he'll probably be a stellar man. Everyone will like him, all that kind of stuff. So then I'm reading and the heading is like, Simon the Sorcerer, <laughs> Ooh. and I'm pretty sure Jesus is not going to be a fan of that. So already I'm on the back foot thinking this isn't, this isn't good. But luckily, at this point of the book, Jesus has left the story and is waiting for the sequel. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, all right, new Simon, new deal, it'll be fine. Anyway, here comes Peter, who once again used to be Simon. he will understand. He comes in and says, current Simon, you have no part or share in this ministry. Whoa, Peter, talk about forgetting your roots. Lay off a fellow Simon, man. Anyway, so the Bible hates Simon, and that's something I have to live with all my life.
3: <laughs> Heavy days.
0: Uh, I've got a feeling that the, uh, the angel of death in Touched by an Angel was called Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was an Andrew, and I mean, literally, death is uh, about as evil as you can get. That that never made me feel good.
1: No, I kind of feel better about being a Simon now. You want to go do some sorcery, Dylan? You've
0: talked about the farm, yeah, but you haven't told me what they're farming. I want to know what this farm is about.
3: Oh, uh, Andrew, if you'd opened your ears for half a second. <laughs> You'd have noticed it was all biodynamic <laughs> agriculture. This biodynamic yeah. agriculture. That very, very vague.
0: Fruit and veg, man. <laughs> so it's fruit and
3: veg. It's fruit and veg based.
0: It's it's nothing. It's nothing more sinister. Uh, can't really say that, actually. I mean,
1: maybe someone falls on a pineapple. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> guys, this is actually a tough decision. Um But the reason I'm making this decision, like this is to do with the dynamics that I think might be in both films. Dylan, you've got a movie which sure is a bit sounds like it's a bit dirty on a farm <laughs> and there's a family dynamic which is maybe a little bit difficult mm-hmm. much like the farming, it's hard work. Okay. I'm not feeling like that. Oh. I'm feeling like kids running around on a beach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> playing and 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 joyful. All righty. So, Simon, You're getting the points.
1: Yes! And that means
0: you win the episode.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Andrew.
0: (laughs) And that means that you're also still in the running to draw the series with Dylan. Ooh, I mean, I'll take a draw of outright losing, so that's good. Dylan, my deepest commiserations. Ooh, deepest? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take them. I was digging deep for them, and... uh, Tell me, what
3: film have I missed out on? You've missed out on 2011's Our Idiot Brother, a comedy centered on an idealist who barges into the lives of his three sisters. Okay. All right. Hmm. I know nothing about this film. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Paul
0: Rudd in it. It's got Paul Rudd. Is T.J. Miller a brother? Nope. He's not a brother. Is nope. One of the
3: it's all nope. about sisters. <laughs> yep. Is he just kind of a bit part? He's, he's on the side. He's on the side. Yeah. Steve Coogan isn't a sister either.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's got a very broad range. Simon, mm-hmm. what film am I watching this week? You're watching 2013's About Time, written and directed by Richard Curtis, starring Donald Gleason, Rachel McAdams, and of course, Bill Nye. Jeepers. Fun fact, Andrew, I know you've already chosen this and got the points, but I'm going to give you one last fact to chew on, is that this is one of four movies in which Rachel McAdams stars as a love interest of a time traveler, Talk about specific. In the Time Traveler's Wife, she plays the titulate wife to Eric Banner's character in Midnight in Paris. She plays the fiance of Owen Wilson's character. And in Doctor Strange, she plays a time manipulating Doctor's love interest. Oh. Wow. And unfortunately for her, in none of these films, she actually travels through time. <laughs> Hence that famous expression. Always a time traveler's love, never the time traveler.
0: <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say she plays in this movie and then 40 years ago she plays the love interest in that movie and then 120 years ago she's in that movie. That's it for this episode. Join us next week in a special Christmas edition for the battle for my movie affections as well as a report back of how I enjoyed About Time. If you've yet to watch that film too, you have seven days to join me in my education. Until next week, goodbye. Feliz Navidad. Deck the holes.